Hello and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. I am your host, Devin Moore. Today's guest is Saya Hagen. Saya Hagen is a school counselor with the New York City Department of Education. Her love of working in the mental health field grew from her love of psychology. In 2011, with a passion of for pouring into the lives of young girls, she established Real Girls, Real Feelings, an empowerment curriculum-based group for girls ages nine and 10. I met Saya at the Queen's Book Fair. It was incredible. Saya had her booth displaying her book, The Journey Continues. It was inspiring, especially for me, um, writing my first children's book. So welcome, Saya. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am doing awesome. How are you? I'm great. I'm very excited to talk to you. I know you have a lot of things that I kind of want to dive into. Okay. Uh, but so, well, first, I also want to say congrats on being an author. That is quite the accomplishment, to be honest. So why don't you start by telling, yeah, why don't you start us off by telling us about um, your book, The Journey Continues? So The Journey Continues um, definitely has a story, <laughs> it has a journey, and the journey continues. Um, the Journey Continues was birthed out of my desire to be healed from childhood sexual abuse. Um, part of my healing was to write my thoughts down, right, was to journal. And as I was journaling, um, they started to turn into poems. And I never thought that the book would be, you know, the poems would actually be in a book one day. It was just kind of my conversation between me and God and my journey of healing. Um, until I would probably say 2018 when the book was released, um, I was kind of wrestling with um, releasing uh, the book. I never thought I would publish it, like I said, um, but I was kind of feeling that God had led me to publish. And for those who know me know that I'm a very quiet, low-key person. So this was like really outside of my, um, my comfort zone. Um, so the journey continues was life-changing for me. It was. So you would say it was like more so like therapeutic for you? It was definitely therapeutic for me. Um, it's one of the things that I did consistently as far as trying to heal and to, to grasp everything. It wasn't until I was uh, older, um, I would say a young adult, that I ended up going to therapy. But um, the journaling was definitely helpful for me in regards to just kind of having a release and letting things out. I, well, first, thank you for sharing that. Because I mean, also for me, I know we've obviously had very different experiences when it comes to certain things. But I'm just saying, like, when it comes to writing, that definitely helps me a lot. I know it helps a lot of people, but it's just, it also depends on your experience. Like, I think for you, like, when it comes to hearing about your story and, you know, just, like, the fact that you've come so long, I'm like, you know, uh, I, this is why I like having books like this, because a lot of people need to learn from it. And, you know, with me, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on writing my children's book, which means that I, well, part of that means that I want this in a lot of different schools. I want this in a lot of different areas. But I also think that it's good because, Oftentimes, you don't necessarily see um, a children's book. When I was growing up, and I'm only 18 right now, but when I was growing up, like when I was younger and I was in middle school, elementary school, I didn't see books, children's books that were dealing with 
a black boy, a black girl, Hispanic yeah. girl, even disabled, you know, these different types of things. So when it comes mm -hmm. to seeing um, poetry books or other different types of books that highlight, you know, different messages that we really need to talk about, especially mm -hmm. in modern day society, yes. it's really something to be proud and happy about. Not happy that these bad things happy, but happy that we can talk about these things through books yeah. and through reading. Yeah. So, and I think it's only so up until recently that we started to see books addressing so many different, um, you know, experiences and so many different things that we struggle with that we know that everybody struggles with. Um, so I'm I'm glad to see that that is changing in our society. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. So tell us, like, where exactly does your journey begin? Like, where did you grow up, and what? Tell us, tell us about your journey more so. Okay, so I am um, a product of two parents that were born in South Carolina, um, Aiken, South Carolina. Both of my parents were from South Carolina. My father was from Aiken, South Carolina. My mother was from Graniteville, South Carolina. I was actually born here in New York because of course, during that time, everybody migrated to the North because they wanted a better life. And that's what my parents did. So I was born here as well as my brother. I have an older brother um, in Queens and uh, I think Jamaica Hospital to be exact. And I was raised in uh, Laurelton, Queens. And I went to school um, in District 29. I went to elementary and middle school and I went on to high school. And then of course I pursued um, my college and my graduate degree. So. Um, I had a fairly normal um, childhood. My parents were both um, actively working, so they worked a lot. Um, my father was always the one that kind of came home before my mom, but they were working parents. And like many parents at that time, they worked hard to make um, a good life for their children. Um, so I kind of had like a... In, an average childhood. Um, everybody on my block knew each other. I had a best friend that lived next door to me. Um, and then, of course, this tragic thing happened as I, you know, uh, got a little older, um, once when I was 12 and once when I was 14. So I was abused on two occasions, both by um, one was a blood cousin and one was uh, someone that was really close to the family that we considered them to be like uh, cousins. Um, but, you know, this was kind of the thing that kind of disrupted uh, my life for a long period of time. Were you able to tell someone that you trust? So that was a challenge um, because I didn't really tell anyone um, about when I was 12 years old until I was a full grown adult. Uh, when I was 14 and this abuse happened, this cousin was actually living with us at the time. And so I had to make a decision. Um, and I was really fearful of even speaking up because he had threatened me at the time. Um, but I had to make a decision that I was going to speak up. And honestly, I felt like I was going to be a 14 year old pregnant. And that really scared me. Um, so I was not able to verbalize what had happened to me. I wrote, um, I wrote a, a note to my mother um, and I put it under her um, makeup compact. 
because that was a guaranteed place that she would see it. And when she came home, she saw um, the note, um, but I could not find the words to express you know, what was going on. I didn't have even the courage to even say what was going on for writing. And this is why writing is such a tool of healing for me, hence why the journey continues so many years later uh, was birthed. Um, so I didn't verbally express it, I wrote it. And that was my release. That's, but I know I needed to do something at the time. I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that. Thank no, you. no, yes, but like, no, no one should go through that. No young black, no, anyone should go through that. No, no one. It, it's, it's really, it's a really scary experience and it kind of shapes the rest of your life. And when I say it shapes the rest of your life, it doesn't mean that it impacts your life in a negative way. It, it can, if you don't get the appropriate help, you know, for what has happened to you, but it has definitely shaped my life. And if, when I think about all of the kind of decisions I've made as an adult, um, as far as career-wise and the path that I've gone down, it, it kind of all goes back to this, you know, this part of my life. And I, I often wonder what I have actually made a decision to be a school counselor or made a decision to be a counselor or work with children if this never occurred. And someone had asked me that question years ago and I say, you know what, I, I honestly just say, I don't know. I don't know if my decision would have been the same. And I know also, so as you said, cause that was actually my next question I wanted to ask you, like, did this really you know, encourage your going into psychology and working with mental health. So thank you for answering that because now that makes me think about your um your curriculum. Why don't you tell us about your curriculum? That sounds very interesting. So um just to even add on to what you were gonna ask me, um I have always been fascinated with how the mind works and how you know the thinking so that kind of led me to psychology you know I often kind of go back and forth like I said whether I would have gone down this career path if this never happened to me um, because it really wasn't until I was like a young adult that I was able to kind of like fully acknowledge that this has occurred you know that this happened to me I kind of thought well since I you know I had a selective few people that I I spoke to it about like I actually I mentioned it I thought that I was healed and that's not necessarily the case. It didn't, that wasn't totally true for me. I was starting my healing, but I wasn't at the place that I really needed to be. Um, so just to add one for the girls curriculum, because I went through that ordeal, I really suffered with low self-esteem, right? So of course, anybody who would go through any form of abuse, neglect, abandonment, they it will impact their self-esteem. Um, also, prior, even prior to the abuse, I was always a very shy and timid child, right? So this is why I say when I think about the journey and how that sh shifted my life and how it changed who I was, I was a very quiet person. Um, so I didn't want to, I didn't want any other girl to struggle with what I went through as I was growing up. And when I say that, I'm even outside of the abuse, I struggled with my self-esteem. I remember um, being younger and it was summertime. And of course the kids are always excited about summertime because they're out of school. I remember feeling that I was so ugly that I didn't wanna go outside. 
Um, and so that was, you know, that was a struggle for me. That was hard. Not because somebody told me I was ugly or anything like that. Not because my parents didn't affirm me. It wasn't any of that. It was kind of what, um, you know, what I had in my head and what had occurred. Because remember, I was also sexually abused at 12 years old as well, right? So I didn't want any other girl to experience that struggle with self-esteem. And if they did experience, I wanted them to be able to be able to have the tools to navigate through it. And so that's kind of where uh, the girls curriculum, Real Girls, Real Feelings was birthed. It was birthed out of a place of, I wanna be able to give girls these tools so they can embrace who they are, so they can love who they are, um, so they can be able to navigate life um, without having to beat themselves up and to, and, and to feel like they're not worthy. So I believe my first um, girls group was in 2015. And I was a school counselor as well with the Department of Education. And they're from there kind of grew. And I've had so many adventures as far as um, working with girls in the curriculum. We have done trips, we have done several, so many adventures that I've had in having this girls group um, over the course of the years. Well, first, thank you for sharing all of that as well. And so there's something I kind of want to go back to. Um, you, earlier, you said that some of you is like, isn't sure whether or not, like if you've gone through the sexual abuse, you would be dealing with psychology now. I honestly can kind of, well, I can relate to if you haven't gone through certain things in the past that it would have mm -hmm. led you to psychology. And mm -hmm. this is that, so I, as a Black person know that the majority of the time black people go through racism and whatever whether it be microaggression whether it be bigger forms of racism i understand that it's just i think with my um specific um with my specific experience being in that predominantly white school um you know the school not even really doing anything about those three boys photoshopping my face onto racist images mm. having to save that evidence for other legal stuff i won't get into you know, yeah. like, and also showing my parents, you know, my parents seeing that and being scared for me and, you know, going full parent wanting to protect me, me being That's upset, it. all these different types of emotions that went like, and on top of that, I was um 14. So with yeah. all those different emotions being put into me, into my body and my mind, I think that might very well be the, the first time towards the first moments of when I really was interested in why people do the things they do. Because mm -hmm. yeah. why are you, like, why are you being hateful? Why are you doing inappropriate things to other people? Why is yeah. it, that's something that I understand mm. a lot when it comes to people. I want to figure things out. I want to learn these things. I want to understand so that I can potentially help you or so that I can help my own self get out of yeah. certain situations. Yeah, definitely. I, I think psychology is so fascinating. Um, and the, the longer I've been a school counselor, the more fascinated I am, you know, in regards to the mind and even everything that has um, happened in our society and how people respond to it. Um, I'm always curious to know the why 
Like when I think about someone doing a, a horrific act that has happened to me, as well as happened to you, right? Um, when you're able to kind of push past the emotional part of it and kind of heal from it, there was a part of me that wanted to know why, right? Why do people behave the way they do? Maybe something happened to them. And this is, and I'm not saying that as an excuse to justify absolutely not at all, but that's part of the psychology and, and the way that the curiosity as far as how people think and how people function. So I've always been fascinated by that. Yeah, I, I, I really understand what you're saying. I can really like, I, that's just what I tell myself also. What you're saying is like so relatable right now. <laughs> it's so relatable yeah. right now. And you see, so I want to ask you um, about your experience as a school counselor. But before I do, so like when it comes to like my journey, see, this is why I'm so excited seeing myself as time goes on and learning mm -hmm. from other people and meeting new people and learning about people that I already know as time goes on because yep. of all the different things that not only will they teach me, but I will learn at my time um, as my time goes on being at the University of Maryland because I mean, not only do they have a good psychology department, but I'm very into psychology and very into mental health. I mean, I have this Race Speak Up podcast for a reason. I have my behind the screen webinar for a reason. I'm on all these different podcasts, um, different types of events, all these different types of things for a reason. So learn, not only help others, but learn new ways to help others. Yes, I agree, yeah. But now going back to my question. So um, <laughs> tell me about your experience as a school counselor. So I have been a school counselor for, I think December would be 19 years. And um, prior to that, I worked for Department of Social Services or Administration for Children's Services, they call it. And um, at that time, I would go and visit uh, the kids in the school and I would meet with the school counselor. So as I was doing that work for ACS and I was going into the school and meeting with the school counselors, I was like, hmm, I think this is something that I would be interested in doing. And that kind of um, where my passion for working as a school counselor kind of ignited. So I went back to school and to become a school counselor, you know, I did all of the necessary requirements and that's how I became a school counselor in 2003. It seems like it was ages ago. <laughs> um, but as a school counselor, I've worked with primarily elementary school um, children, but I've also worked with middle school just uh, recently, probably for the last three or four years. Um, they both have different challenges. Um, but I do believe that it is important. I feel like I have a, a much, um, I wouldn't say better impact, but um, it is important to kind of nurture children when they're young at that elementary school age. So when they, as they progress into middle and high school, it's important for him, for them to have the foundational skills. So, um, I've worked probably with elementary school the longest, um, most of my career. And um, I like them both, you know, I like them both, but I, I know that the, the foundation is laid during that elementary school period. 
You see, I love you hit it right on the dot because that's that's exactly what whenever someone says this, I always love it. Saying that, you know, things start young, nurturing them and care, showing them how to care and be peaceful and love and unity all at a young age, that's what helps. That's what create a, creates a ground for unity, for that exact word, unity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that when you get older, no one will have to necessarily worry about hate, worry about being inappropriate or, yeah. you know, someone being any, any of that towards another person. Yep. That is what that is what is so beneficial for people. I think honestly, this is what more people need to understand. I know not, I know not everyone is like this. That's why I'm like, more people need to understand that, well, one, hate is, when people, when someone says hate is bad, I don't, that's just like a, a broad thing. I think when people say that, they need to really dive deep into what exactly does hate is bad or what, like, what does that mean? hate you know someone hurting on another person based mm -hmm. off of something else and it could also be out of out of jealousy saying that it's bad that it can cause all these negative emotions all these different horrible results these devastating and traumatic results people need to really dive deep into these things and so to have someone like you who understands this and is able to bring her knowledge to young girls to different children elementary middle school whoever it may be that you're working with, that is so completely beneficial. So like out of the question beneficial. So that's, yeah. why, uh, that's another reason why it's very interesting to be honest, to hear from you. Cause I always love hearing from the site. It's so funny, but I always love hearing from someone who really works in the psychology field or at least has gotten a bachelor's yeah. of I think it's so um, important that we do teach acceptance. And, you know, I have to say that that is definitely happening, um, that we teach acceptance, tolerance um, for, for those who are somewhat familiar with the DOE calendar, we have a whole month in February called Respect for All, right? And that's the time dedicated for, um, actually it's a week, but most people do it for the whole entire month and for, for the most part for the entire school year, just teaching acceptance and diversity and not taking advantage that the kids know, right, what, what it is, what it means. They will, they will definitely say a word. Um, they may say, oh, that person is racist or um, they may say that person is prejudiced and they are saying it because they heard it and not necessarily um, because they understand what it is. Even when we have children use the N-word, right? That's my first question is, tell me what that means. So it's not about being defensive and saying, oh, how dare you say that? They may have a different understanding of what that word means than we do. And so that's a time for us to educate them and to to say, hey, well, what do you think that means? Where have you heard that word from? So come on, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about what that means. Um, and we're gonna talk about um, why it's inappropriate. And that's a, that's a time for a conversation and a teachable moment, right? We've all heard of that, those things, a teachable moment of not just being upset, but now we're gonna learn, you've heard it before, you've heard people say it, let's talk about what it really means and why is it inappropriate. Have you ever, I'm so glad you brought all of that up because it's also making me think about something else I've come across just 
not only being in school or gone through high school, but on top of that, just working with other youth who have gone mm-hmm. through their own experiences and working with adults who work with you. So <laughs> snitch culture. Well, first you've heard of snitch. Yeah, <laughs> you're already smiling, already nodding your head. How, how yes. tell me about, first tell me about what your understanding of it is and then we'll go from there. <laughs> so I haven't, I, I'm, I'm fully aware of like, you know, snitch and what it is. I've never heard of it referred as snitch culture, but I know exactly what you're talking about, right? So like I said, because I work at elementary and middle school, it looks different. We have, a lot of times we have like our fourth and fifth, maybe third, um, but, you know, mostly fourth and fifth who start to use that term. And then we have to kind of educate them on what it means to have um, to report, right? When you're reporting something that's of concern and when you're snitching, right? So there's a difference. And so again, that's a teachable moment of the difference between the two. Um, Middle school, totally different challenge, right? Um, They don't wanna, they don't wanna tell on their friends Um, And so we have to have a conversation about that and maybe create different ways that they can report something that is of concern and that will make them feel like they're not betraying their friends. So more like being creative, right? With how they're reporting certain things. Um, And going over again, the difference between the two, but then kind of being more creative um, so they can feel comfortable sharing things um, that is of concern. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of the snitch culture and how, you know, because middle school, particularly middle school or after you, when you're in the fourth, fifth and moving onward, it's all about the friends, right? It's all about my friends and my friends are like family. They're like closer than some family members. And that's really important to them and definitely understandable. Yeah, it makes, it makes a lot, a lot of sense what you're saying. Cause like just in my, with like hearing, being that I've gone through certain things when it comes to racism, like once I hit high school, I saw um, like gossiping. I saw such and such, if such and such did this, like, oh, everyone make it a big deal. When it re- if it was real life, this would just be like, what? Like this doesn't really, it's not affecting you. And mm-hmm. it's not even gonna affect the person in the long run. So mm-hmm. when it comes to certain things like that, I always see it as a not too big of a deal. But in in the in that person's mind, being that they're in high school, it's such a big deal and it's their whole world. And I think that also goes along with bullying. Like it's their whole world. And for people to continuously make problems out of it. And then like with the snitch culture, yeah, I don't I heard snitch culture somewhere, but anyways. <laughs> but um the, the term snitch culture, I mean, for those who are listening. But uh, when it comes to snitch culture, people need to understand that it is fine to say that you're going through something. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It is completely okay. It is completely, like, whatever you're going through, that's your, that is what you're going through. That is your experience. That is your life. Mm-hmm. For when you're going through it, it is completely fine to say what you are going through. I mean, of course, there are more specific situations. There are more, you know, specific things. But yes. you should be able to speak up. 
And you should be able to feel comfortable and safe in your school environment or whatever your environment you're in for that matter, to be very quite honest. Mm-hmm. So that is that that message, I think, or at least something around that message of what I just said. And like even what you're saying, like these things need to be taught and these things need to be brought into our schools, into our school system, into our any system, to be to be honest. And it's really about the school creating a safe um well, that's where the counselors and the social workers come in, creating this safe space for kids to share. But we do find out a lot of times, like in middle school, they'll have that best friend and that best friend has a good rapport with the counselor or the social worker, and they will go and confide in the, the counselor or the social worker about what their friend is going through. So it's, which, you know, kind of says it's so important of that you look at your friends and and the people you surround yourself with and know that these people you know question yourself are these people really caring for me do they really care for me so yep and you also co-chaired the children's grief share ministry and haven for healing can you tell us about that so yes i I did do the the children's grief share. So since the pandemic, we've kind of been on high hiatus. We've been on leave. I can never say that word correctly. Um, And Haven for Healing. Haven for Healing is a support group for women who are dealing with um, domestic violence or interpartner violence. Um, And we, because of the pandemic, we're trying to think of creative ways to just stay connected. Um, So those two ministries, um, are kind of like on hold for for now. Okay, cool. So that's very interesting. You know, like it's so honest. I mean, it's so as we've been saying. You know, having a group where you can go and you can be comfortable in that environment. I mean, school should be like that comfortable environment. Yes. Anyways, when it comes to groups, having someone who gets it that is always so helpful. That's why when it comes to college, I think it's so important to have these different groups, whether it be the BSU, the LGBT group, um, even if there's a disabled group or like like a bunch of these different things. That's mm-hmm. so important. And like to have it in high school or even to have it in, or excuse me, to have it in college or to even have it in high school and being a part of these different things. That's why I think clubs are so important, getting a feel for all these different types of things or, you know, whatever you're into getting a yeah. feeling that, that is really honestly fun. And that's really nice to have. And I think that's um, furthering just, you know, the acceptance um, that we have not embraced as our society. And like I said, I do see that things are starting to change. Um, and I think it has to, if we're gonna just, um, if we're going to move forward as, as a society, I think it, you know, that just needs to happen. And I do see that there are some wonderful things, a whole lot of negative things still going on, but uh, there's also a lot of wonderful things that are happening as well. Yep, you're so right. And so who are your favorite authors? Now I want to go back to you being an author. Who are your top two, top three favorite authors? Um, so I don't, I don't per se have favorite authors. <clears throat> I can kind of tell you like certain books that I'm drawn to and the books that I have recently read. Um, I love anything that has to do with the underlining of therapy, of um, 
of wellness and um, like mental health. So um, I just finished, I just finished reading Sarah Jakes Roberts books not too long ago. Um, I forgot the title, but I know um, I just finished reading hers and it was wonderful. I am currently reading Homecoming and it is by Dr. Tama Bryant. And it talks about homecoming means coming back to you, back to your authentic, genuine self and how so many things, so many traumas, so many um, distractions, so many things happen in our lives that we kind of lose ourselves. And homecoming is means just coming back to who you are, who you truly are. And a lot of things, you know, need to happen that for us to even come back to ourselves. Number one, we need to be aware. We need to acknowledge that kind of like we're gone, we're lost. Um, I'm trying to see what else. I am currently reading. Those were probably like the, the, the top two that I would say. Um, that are on on my mind. Uh, of course, I read um, Michelle Obama's book, right? I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I actually read most of it and then I audioed the rest of it because it was such a meaty book. Um, and I really enjoyed like listening to her tell the story. So those are just uh, a couple of, you know, books that I have recently read. Um, I love dealing with mental health, wellness, um, being healthy, building healthy relationships. Those are the type of books that um, I tend to gravitate to. Um, but I don't have a particular favorite author. It has to be kind of like any one of those themes to kind of draw my attention to it. Yeah, I, I actually get, yeah, I get that. Because I don't really know if I would necessarily, well, I probably do have a few authors that I'm not necessarily thinking about right now. But as far as like certain specific things, um, or at least when it comes to me, of course, I would say mental health. But when it comes to racial trauma and how it trickles down um, from generation to generation, I seem to find myself finding books in that department. Yes. Um, and then another thing would just be children's books. Because as I said earlier, you know, when it comes to my children, I'm working, I have the children's and children's anti-bullying book that I have worked on and you know when it comes to Devin Speaks Up it, it's all about dealing with not only is it to show um how you can literally speak up when it comes into your situation but it's showing this young black boy who's gone through bullying and is also an upstander and is you know all these different types of things so seeing books like that especially um as I said before especially when it comes to um you know young kids from different races, minority groups, different ethnicities, abilities, disability, you know, all these different types of things. That's what I love to see. And I yeah. think why I love seeing it is just because I've had a, like a lack of seeing it when I was at the age that that's when I first would be reading children's books. Because mm -hmm. I had a lack of that. That's why I want to see it. That's why I want to see it now. Yeah. Yep. Time. Make up for lost time. Like, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Um, Dr. Tamer Bryant's book, Homecoming, touches on like racial trauma. She's really good with touching on that as well. So um, I am like maybe up to chapter three, just kind of really started with it, but I'm really excited um, about reading it. Um, 
I, I do feel like there is a, a shift with that and because there is a need now there's a there's a there's I think there's always been a need for books like you, your children's book that you're working on and other books where children can see somebody like them and not only see somebody that looks like them but somebody who has dealt with um, what they're dealing with and that's one of the things that I did when I was um, on my healing journey I was like okay I went through this let me find a book let me find a book that speaks to what I went through. Um, and I'm always uh, a big resource person. So I have a, an array of books on, on healing, sexual abuse, trauma. I have all of those in my libraries. And so if someone needs a resource, I'm like, hey, this is the book that I did, I used, right? Or, hey, you can try this book. So I'm really big on resources. And I think the whole idea of grabbing a book that dresses what you're dealing with makes you feel like you are not by yourself and you're not alone. Yeah. So your book, your children's book, some some young person is going to pick up pick that book up and say, "Hey, oh, I need to I need to read this because I'm dealing with this. Oh, I know my friend is dealing with this, and that's why there's a need for such books as, as that." Yeah. And so, Saya, when it comes to when you're not busy, <laughs> well, well, you're very busy, yeah. So what do you do in your downtime? Um, so summertime is my downtime because, you know, I work for the Department of Education and um, that's kind of the time that I take a break. I try not to do summer school. I've never done it. Um, we'll see what it looks like in the future. Um, but it's my downtime. So some of the things that I enjoy doing is I love walking. Walking is very healing for me. It's very therapeutic for me. So I have a walking partner, an accountability partner. We walk together um, several times during the week. We work out together. Um, it's not just for, hey, I want to lose weight, but it's for, I need this for my mental health. So that's one of the, the major things that I look forward to doing every single summer when I don't have to get up early and, you know, and, and go to work. I look forward to just walking and clearing my mind and maybe having, um, you know, my earpods on and listening to a podcast or something. I look forward to, to that all the time. So um, that's probably my number one thing that I am excited about in my downtime. Yeah. Listening to my podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, um, it's good to have that balance. That's what everyone keeps telling me <laughs> because I know I'm up, I like when it comes to college and then I have my race to speak up organization and then other mm -hmm. stuff that I'm doing. And then even with my children's book, all that work and then like a bunch of different stuff. It's just, I know it's good to have that balance and it's good to chill and it's good to be whatever, wh whoever you are on the regular not just the like over here work side, yada, 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 all yeah. that. I think it really is good to have a balance. It is definitely good to have a balance. And even the passion work, like the work that you do, the work that I do, sometimes it doesn't feel like work because, but it is, right? And so yeah. we have to also be mindful of being very intentional about our rest, right? Um, and my body usually tells me like, okay, no, you need a break, right? Mm -hmm. You, it's time for you to step away. Um, and so I try to listen to that. Yeah, you know something, so senioritis, with that whole 
whole thing. I don't even know how to refer to it. But when it comes to senioritis, when I had senioritis, being that I wanted to do all the stuff in my organization and like outside of schoolwork, when it came to high school, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I already went through the whole like four years. They're just giving us extra work at the end of the school year. That was, that felt like burnout. And I needed to almost, I needed to have my moments of relaxation. And that would be where my hanging out with friends would come from or just going home. And once I knew all my actual work was actually done, going home and just like sleeping. Yes. Or, or like just <laughs> relax, you know, like binge watching a show. I yeah. watch arms. Like, I don't know. Like I watch so many different stuff just to relax and just to feel calm. That's also, yeah, I can also see um, with some shows that I will watch uh, dealing with like racism too. Just cause I can, yeah, I could see I'm very much interested in that. And then also other shows that dealt with mental health or like, you know, different stuff. But anyways, so that would be my way of relaxing. That would be my way of kind of chilling and being in my own presence. Okay, yes. <laughs> so what's been the most rewarding part of your journey? The most rewarding, I would say, part of my journey is when I'm able to go to vendor and events, right? And not only share my story, but to listen to other people um, share their story. Like, um, you know, I can relate and this is what happened to me. And I think that is the most rewarding part. The other rewarding part is having like a support group of women come together. Um, So I recently had one uh, July 24th, I believe, which was last Sunday. And I, I met with a group of women Um, And it was just like a a very informal workshop and listening. It's, it's kind of sad and it's, it's disheartening and rewarding at the same time. It's disheartening because it's just so many women and men who have been impacted uh, regarding abuse, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's domestic violence, it just seems to go on and on. And some of the stories are so horrific, but then to listen to them and say, hey, this is the first time I'm sharing this. You know, I've never said this to anyone before or I wasn't going to say anything. So that is the rewarding part of this work. That is the purpose of why I do this work. So I so I can create safe spaces for women and for men to share their story, to start their healing journey if they have not yet started already and to um, know that they're, you know, they're not by themselves, that there is a community of support out there. So I would probably say that is the most rewarding. I'm sorry, the my windows are up, so. It's fine. <laughs> um, just to kind of be able to just be that, that support for them, to be that safe space for them. Um, there's nothing like it. You know, there's nothing like it. It's indescribable. Um, and I'm always encouraged and it always is, encourages me to keep doing the work I do because this is not easy work. You know, this is not, hey, we're doing this support group and we're going to have 100 people. That's not kind of work that it is. It is like you're, this is really hard work because people now have to share what they're dealing with and what they probably wanted to bury for so long. So um but that is the most rewarding part of the work that I do. What are your hopes and dreams moving forward? 
Um, so I'm hoping to release my next book. It's called The Silent Cries of a Black Girl. And it's actually my story. Um, the journey continues. It's kind of like my story being told in poetry form, but this is really my story that's laid out. And one of the things that I noticed is that as I was going to vendor events and I was speaking, it was just a natural next step. I was sharing my story. Like when you asked me, you know, you know, how did I grow up and, you know, the, the times of my life that I was abused. So it's not only me sharing my story, it's a guide of support to recognize the signs of whether it's your, your daughter, your niece, some, some girl that you know who may have experienced sexual abuse to recognize the signs. And it's a guide to kind of help them to find the support that they need. So I'm hoping for that either later this year or early next year um, to, be, to be released. Um, I wanna continue to do uh, workshops and um, facilitate workshops and do discussions with, uh, with women and with survivors in generally, general um, and, and continue to just kind of impact other survivors who, um, who may not know that there's support out there or may not know how to start their healing journey. So that is what I want to hope to do in the future. Now, if you could sum your journey and everything that you do, all the positive work that you do up in two or three sentences, when I ask you, how do you race to speak up? Um, let us know, tell us, how do you race to speak up? I race to speak up by walking in my purpose. And my purpose is to encourage, uplift, motivate survivors to let them know that they're not alone and that support is available. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. This is really good. This is really good. Thank you so much for joining us, joining us today. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, of course. Oh, also, would you like to share your social media and your website? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, my website is Saya B. Hagen and my social media posts are on Instagram and Facebook. And I recently um, started adding content to my YouTube is all at Saya B. Hagen. I do have a, a separate um, Instagram page called Sanctuary for Survivors. And that is also another Instagram page where I put content that you know, all of it is to uplift, encourage, and motivate survivors um, to inform them of maybe events that are happening and to share resources. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us, and thank you. Yeah, and thank you for everyone who's listening. I hope to see you guys at future Race to Speak Up podcast. And of course, if you ever have any questions about this Race to Speak Up podcast feel free to contact me at race to speak up at gmail.com. Follow at race to speak up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future podcasts. Head over to my website, www.racetospeakup.com and check out all things race to speak up. Join the Humanity Rising movement. Humanity Rising offers scholarships for students making a difference in the world through service. Visit www.humanityrising.org for more information. And remember to ask yourself this one question. How do you race to speak up?